Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. Hello. Good to see you all here today. It's also good to be seen by those of you who are watching online. It's great that we can be here, you can be there, and we can all be together in this way. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 1. We'll get there in just a few minutes. Last week, we explored how adopting Jesus's vision of the simpler life means that we have to narrow the focus of our busy, complicated lives down to one central concern or purpose so that when the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the life of God, the will of God, the way of God, when that is at the center of the circle of our lives, then everything else we do grows from and flows out of that core connection with God. That's what we mean when we talk about living simpler lives, when we pursue simplicity. One aspect of our consumer culture, though, that makes living a simpler life difficult is the multitude of choices we face every day. We are a long way from that famous quote by Henry Ford when he said, any customer can have a car painted any color he wants so long as it's black. Now that's a simple way of life. And having the freedom to choose from multiple options is usually considered to be a blessing. But to have too many choices, well, that can become a curse. In his book, The Paradox of Choice, Barry Schwartz tells of a frustrating experience he had several years ago when he went to buy a pair of jeans at the mall. He popped into the Gap store thinking, I'll just buy a pair of jeans to replace the one pair I have that are falling apart. And when a salesperson asked if he needed some help, he said, yes, I'd like some jeans. And he told her his size. And she said, oh, okay. Would you like the easy fit, the relaxed fit, the slim fit, the baggy, the extra baggy, stone wash, acid wash, distressed, faded, or regular blue? Would you like the button or zipper fly? And he was stunned and eventually stammered out, I just want some jeans. You know, the kind of jeans that used to be the only kind of jeans? And she didn't know what kind of jeans used to be the only kind of jeans, but a coworker helped her figure it out. But then, by then, Schwartz realized he had options. With so many options, he thought, I might be able to find a more comfortable, better fitting pair of jeans. So he decided to try on all the different styles in the store until he finally settled on the easy fit jeans because he was afraid the relaxed fit implied that he was getting soft. <laughs> what, what he thought would take just a few minutes turned into an all day project. And even then afterwards, he wasn't sure. 
Maybe he picked the wrong pair of jeans. Maybe he missed out on a pair of better fitting, more comfortable jeans. And he closes his story with these words. He says, when people have no choice, life is almost unbearable. But as the number of available choices increases, and as it has in our consumer culture, the autonomy, control, and liberation this variety brings are powerful and positive. But as the number of choices keeps growing, negative aspects of having a multitude of options begin to appear. As the number of choices grows further, the negatives escalate until we become overloaded. And at this point, cho choice no longer liberates, it debilitates. It might even be said to tyrannize. Having too many choices can increase our anxiety, our self-doubt, and our regret. It invites us to compare our choices with the choices of others. And comparison is the thief of joy. Did they find a better model? Did they get a better deal? Do their genes fit better than mine do? Having too many choices increases FOMO, the fear of missing out. What if I made the wrong choice? What if by choosing this, I'm missing out on something better? And of course, some choices are more important than others. Okay, you bought the wrong pair of jeans, big deal, move on. But what if you choose the wrong school, the wrong major, the wrong profession, the wrong house, the wrong spouse, choices? matter. Having too many choices can be a curse. And so pursuing a simpler way of life by narrowing the focus of concern of our lives down to the one thing, the kingdom, the reign, the will of God, is appealing and attractive, not just because it's cheaper, but also because it can give us a greater sense of peace. We have peace with the life we've chosen instead of always ruminating on the life we didn't choose. So today's question is how do we as followers of Jesus, those who take the teachings, the life, the example of Jesus seriously, how do we pursue simplicity or at least a simpler way of life amidst a culture with a dizzying array of options? Because after all, Jesus lived a complicated life, didn't he? And is there something we could find in his life, some example that might help us sort through all the options we face every day? And I think there is. Because it's hard to imagine a more potentially complicated life than Jesus's. The power he had, the freedom he had, the ability he had every day he had to make choices. He had to choose which good he would and wouldn't do. He had to choose who he would and wouldn't help, where he would and wouldn't go, what he would and wouldn't say every single day. And without simplicity, without narrowing the focus of his life to one central purpose, it would be impossible for him to accomplish his mission as the Son of God. For example, in Mark chapter 1, Mark gives us 
a typical day in the life of Jesus' ministry, especially his early ministry. And I take what Mark shares with us in chapter one is to be the everyday common occurrence. This was a pattern of life for Jesus. It happened this way all the time. His day begins on the Sabbath, teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. And his sermon is interrupted by a man who's possessed by an evil spirit, and Jesus deals with it immediately. News then from that synagogue begins to spread around the region about Jesus's authoritative teaching style and his ability to deal with demonic hecklers. And as that news is spreading across the region, Jesus leaves the synagogue and goes to Peter's house where he heals Peter's mother-in-law in private. Somebody always needed something from Jesus. There was always someone for Jesus to help everywhere he went. And while he's there in the house, spending the day with Peter and his family, by the end of the day, people from the village and the surrounding region had surrounded that house. And they were all desperate to see Jesus. They needed help. They needed healing. And Jesus goes outside and ministers to the crowd, meeting their needs, doing good among them. And now we pick up the story in verse 35. This is very early in the morning, the next day, very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. In the original language, it's literally, they hunted him down. They hunted him. They went to hunt him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, hey, everyone, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, now let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The disciples hunt him down while he's trying to pray. Peter says, Lord, you gotta come back. There's more people, they need more help. This is a great opportunity to expand your ministry. Your popularity is growing. This is very good for our platform. Come on. And Jesus says, no, we're going to go somewhere else. He leaves behind people who need his help in Capernaum. There are good things he could do there that he leaves undone because it's not in the center of the circle of God's purpose for his life. He will not let his ministry be hijacked by a desperate crowd or well-meaning disciples. And I find it interesting that his confident refusal to deviate from his mission even though it means saying no to some worthy things, his confident refusal to deviate from his mission comes after he spent time alone praying. And this happens throughout his ministry. At critical points in his ministry, he goes off alone to pray. And there seems to be a connection in Jesus's life between time alone with his father, speaking to and listening to his father in prayer and having clarity about his core mission and what he's called to do. 
It's not the only occasion where he does this, but every time he does it, he comes back from that prayerful solitude with a renewed sense of focus and mission. This is why I have come. This is what I must do. Which makes me wonder, is it possible to have this kind of focused, single-minded simplicity without also spending time in prayerful solitude. As choices multiply, as decisions become more and more complex, is it possible to narrow the focus of our lives down to the one thing without also following Jesus's example and going away to a solitary place to pray? Now, those who've been following Jesus longer than I have, their consensus is, no, it's not possible. Blaise Pascal once said, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. That's spoken like a true introvert there. It's hard to seek first the kingdom or the reign of God it's hard to keep the purpose, the will of God in the center of the circle of our lives if we're uncomfortable being alone with and being silent before God. One of the obstacles to living a simpler life is that we say yes to too many things, too many activities, too many commitments, too many attachments. And we say yes to too many things because we lack the clarity to be able to say no to what is less or unimportant. Because we cannot hear God's yes to the truly important, that which is truly necessary. God's voice gets drowned out by all the other choices and voices around us. And it is hard to hear from God. It is hard to hear the voice of God speaking into our lives when the television is always on in the background or when our phones are always ringing and pinging and dinging or when we do have a moment to ourselves, we choose to use that time alone staring at a screen in our hand. If you feel overwhelmed by the choices and voices vying for your attention, if you feel like your life has been hijacked, your purpose in life, your direction in life has been hijacked by competing agendas, one of the first steps to living a simpler life is to develop the habit of prayerful solitude. I recommend starting with a short amount of time doable. We're building a habit. Start small. Five minutes is fine. Five minutes of silence every day with God. It could happen immediately when you wake up, or it could happen in the kitchen before everyone else wakes up, or maybe when you're sitting in your office, or maybe when you're in your car on your commute. Do not close your eyes. If you have little ones, let's be real here. The only solitude you may be able to find is when you go to the bathroom. And you got to take whatever solitude you can get and use it. 
And in those few moments of silence as you're starting out, you ask one single question, Lord, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to hear? What do you want to say to me today? You have one agenda, and that is to show up ready to listen. And it's not that you will hear something every day. The goal is to be ready to hear something when something needs to be heard. And as you become comfortable with five minutes of silence with God, move it to six, then to seven, then to eight, and build your endurance, build your wind up, and now it's 10 and 15 and 20 minutes in silence with the Lord. It's listening, enjoying the presence of the one you love and who loves you, ready to hear whatever it is the Lord has for you on any given day. If that habit was essential to Jesus's life, his rhythm, his pattern, how can it not be essential to ours? And this is one of the ways that we keep the will of God in the center of the circle of our lives. There are other ways. It's not the only way. Gathering here in this context where we sing and read scripture and pray and share communion, it's another way that we recenter and refocus ourselves and make sure God is in the center of the circle of our lives. We come together and encourage each other, but then we also go away by ourselves to be alone with God. It's not either or, it's both and. And as God becomes more central to who we are and what we do, we can expect to have greater clarity for how God wants us to use our time, talent, energy, and money in service of the greater good. As we become more attuned to the voice of our Father, we will have a clearer sense of what to say yes to, what is ours to do, and what to say no to, what is not ours to do. And no amount of guilt tripping can make us do it because it's not ours to do. That is not why we have been sent. We have a greater sense of what to move toward and what to avoid. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. In the midst of so many complex choices, may we reduce it to this simple choice. May we listen for and listen to the voice of our good shepherd who is leading us beside quiet, still, peaceful waters and down the path of righteousness. Let's stand and pray out loud the Lord's Prayer together. Join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen.
go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.